Good morning, church. Today's reading comes from Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Listen for God's word for us. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is the word of the Lord. Would you bow your heads as we continue now in prayer? Take a moment to silently pray that God would speak to you this morning because he desperately longs to break into your world. Now pray for the person sitting next to you that the same would happen for them. God, we come today offering nothing, and yet we're expecting you. We're so often distracted, disturbed, we have all these deep longings within us that we are so often lost on how to fulfill. Our Father, would you meet us? Would you guide us? Would you speak to us afresh as you have through your word to your people over generations? And we pray this now in the name of Jesus, acknowledging your promised spirit who is among us and within those who follow Jesus. Amen. Well, Happy New Year. Um, if this is your first Sunday at a church or your first Sunday in a long time to any church or a regular to Christ community, welcome back. Today is a really, a really important Sunday. Now, a lot of pastors, a lot of church leaders like to highlight Christmas and Easter as really imp- important Sundays, and they are. But I think this Sunday, the first Sunday of the new year, ranks right up there with them because, because rarely are we more intentional with where we spend our time than we are the beginning of the year. And if you're here this morning, it's because deep down, and you you may have all kinds of motivations, right? But deep down, you feel like to start your year off right, you need to be here with God's people, worshiping him and learning from his word this Sunday. Maybe your alarm went off and you would have been more tempted to snooze it, but not the first Sunday of the new year, right? You got new Christmas digs. You got to show off, right? Like that. It is the first Sunday of the new year. And then there's tomorrow. Have you thought about that? The first Monday of the new year, right? And, and if you're honest with yourself, 
if I'm honest with you, Mondays can be the worst, can't they? And here they come, the first Monday of the new year. I love what I get to do, genuinely, but still, Mondays can be really hard for me too. Now, the weekends, those are great. They're still really busy, but we can fill them with the things that we elect to enjoy, right? More sleep, more hobbies, more fun, and then we get to come to church on Sunday, right? And spend at least an hour or two together, and then what? It's Monday again. Now, as diverse as our experiences may be in this room, and I think they're pretty diverse when I look across everybody who's here, one thing we share in common, and it's this, everyone has a Monday. Everyone has a Monday, okay? And and Monday is the metaphorical rest of life. Monday is the home in which you live. Monday is the relationships that you have. It's the school or the work that you go to. It's the causes that capture your heart. It's the seemingly ordinary but also extraordinary things that make up most of the week. And then we come back together for a couple hours on Sunday, and then what? It's Monday again. And as pastors, you know, as we start this new year, as pastors, people like me, we can focus way more often and consume ourselves with those one or two hours of week, a, a, a week that we actually overlook the other 167 or 166 hours of life. Now listen, Sunday's really special. That's why you're here this morning. Sunday's really special. It's the day that Jesus rose from the dead over 2,000 years ago. It's the day that death died, that sin was put to rest. It was an, a beautiful day, and it's the day that Christians have gathered together throughout history for over 2,000 years to remember Jesus, to sharpen one another, to follow Jesus. And my hope is that Sundays are really beautiful when we gather together, that they're meaningful, that they're impactful for you, for me, for us. But what about the rest of life, Right? What about those other 166, 167 hours of the week? Do those matter? Does God really care about them? Now, if you've been at Christ Community for any length of time, there's not going to be any surprises here at the start because we're going to say, of course it does, right? Those other 167 hours of the week are extraordinarily important to God. Your Monday, your Tuesday, and every other day, and everything you do on that day, and everyone you engage on those days— are important to God. And yet if you find yourself on Thursday white-knuckling it, just trying to hold on till Sunday, then I've failed you as a pastor. And we've missed the robust life that God has for us in Christ. And so today, on this really important day, when our intentionality is extraordinarily high, we're going to lean all of our intention as a church to answer the question, what is the church for? And we're going to do so by engaging not just a new sermon series, but actually we're going to have a new perspective on how we look at Christ's community. We're going to put our stake deep in the ground and claim that we long to be a church for Monday. To be a church for Monday. Now, Christ's community turns 30 this year, and as you heard from Tyler earlier, our mission from the very beginning has has been to be a caring family of multiplying disciples, influencing our community and world for Jesus Christ. Whoa, Christ. He's a newer guy. No, just kidding. Jesus Christ. In in other words, to make it boil it all down, we want to make apprentices 
of Jesus who are ready for anything and everything, who are ready for Monday and what the rest of life holds. And so over these next eight weeks, we're actually going to see what kind of person is ready for Monday. What do they believe? What do they do? What does it look like? to be ready for Monday. We're going to look at individual responsibilities we have if we want to know the life that God has for us and collective responsibilities we have as a church and what it looks like for us together to be equipping each other, for me to be equipping you as a pastor to be ready for Monday. And today in this eight-week journey, what we're going to do is we're going to look at three reasons why, despite popular opinion, why Jesus actually did intend the church Yes, to gather on Sunday, but to be for Monday, okay? And, and Christ Community, we tend to walk through books of the Bible. That's kind of our MO. We love to get into the literary genre, see how it's all woven together, how it's a brilliantly crafted book or series of books that make up a brilliant book and a consistent story across the whole. But today and over these next eight weeks, we're taking a note from Jesus' playbook, and we're going to actually go to a couple different texts and different books And zero in on one particular focus or theme on how we follow Jesus in all of life. And whether you're new to Christ community or you've been coming for years, if you lean in, I promise you, you won't be the same when we finish. And where it all begins is with this little letter to a church in Ephesus. So if you haven't already, would you please turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter If you are using one of our community Bibles, it's on page number 977, 977. Now, this little letter was written by the Apostle Paul about 30 years after the resurrection of Jesus. The Apostle Paul had this radical experience with the resurrected Jesus. He was completely against Jesus, and now he's suddenly all for Jesus because he saw that Jesus really did die and rise again. And he dedicates his whole life. He sacrifices so much. And he dedicates his whole life to follow Jesus and to plant churches across the known world. And he writes these letters, letters like the letter of Paul to the Ephesians, to guide them on how to follow Jesus, to guide them on how to grow in their walk with Jesus, and how to become more like Christ. Now, this letter, Ephesians, is written to a group of local churches in the city of Ephesus. It was extraordinarily religious and had a ton of devoted, you know, devotional practices to various goddesses, especially the goddess Diana. But when Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus in the first century, he wants them to know what we often forget. And this is the first reason why we feel called to be a church for Monday. Here it is. Number one, Monday matters to God. Now, in the passage that was just read for us, verses 11 through 16, at the very beginning, the Apostle Paul says that Jesus gave these people with certain gifts and talents to enrich the church as a whole. But what's the goal or the end game of these people who have been given to the church? What are they trying to do? How do they know if they're doing a good job? How does the church know if it's headed in the right direction? Is the end game just to show up on church, show up to church on Sunday, weekend, and week out? Is the end game that we get a little jolt of biblical truth on Sunday to carry us through the next six days? Is the end game just to be able to 
pull ourselves together to shake people's hands, to smile nicely, cover up our lives one hour out of the week, and then go on with the rest of our lives. God's vision for you and I is so much bigger than that. So it's so much bigger for the church. And Paul, he signals this end goal when he begins verse 13 with the word until. So he's given all these people to do this until, until what? Keep reading in verse 13, and we come to see that the goal is not that people be faithful and just attending on an hour or two on Sunday. That's not the goal. The goal, actually, when you read along, is that they become what? That we become mature adults, that we know how to navigate life well, that we become seasoned disciples of Jesus. If you keep reading on, he says, until, and he keeps unpacking this, right? As we heard it read this morning. The goal is not to experience the fullness of a building, which we are experiencing today, which is why we're looking at another building. Yeah, there you go, little plug. Um, but not just the fullness of a building, but the fullness of Christ, he says, in every day. And then when you jump down to verse 15, what's truly amazing is that he says, then that you might actually grow up, what? In every way into this intimacy with Jesus and this likeness of Jesus that you embody his truth and love. That's the goal, to grow up in every way. And, and I want you to think about this question. Just pause for a moment. Can that be accomplished with intentional focus one or two hours a week? Every part of your life matters to God. There is no sacred space or secular space. There's no space or, or, or positioning or, or calling that's, you know, really special to God. And then this over here, not so much. There is no place where God is not working. There is no place where God calls meaningless. And this is why Abraham Kuyper He's a brilliant journalist, theologian, even the prime minister of the Netherlands from 1901 to 1905. With a biblical imagination of the world, says what is now a really famous quote, if you haven't heard it before. He says, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. Every moment of your life has meaning because every square inch of this world and every second of your lives is overseen by God, and he does not do anything insignificant. There are no extra people. There are no extra places. There are no extra jobs. There are no extra anything. God has put these pieces in his world and its place for a reason. Over the holiday season, I got to rewatch re uh, Martin Scorsese's film, Hugo, if you've ever seen it before. It, it's a brilliant film. It was nominated for 11 Academy Awards. Uh, it's a fictional story positioned in 1930s Paris, France. And Hugo is an orphan who finds himself living in the clock tower of a train station. He takes care of the clocks, and he's trying to figure out if there's some place in the world where he fits. Is there any place in the world that he fits. And there's one scene that always gets to me. 
And it's when he's hanging out with his newfound friend, Isabel. And they're up there in the clock tower overlooking Paris. And he begins to talk about how he often imagines the world, all of Paris, like one big machine. And this is why. Listen to what he says. Machines never come with any extra parts, you know. They always come with the exact amount they need. So I figured if the whole entire world was one big machine, I couldn't be an extra part. I had to be here for some reason. And that means you have to be here for some reason, too. I think Martin Scorsese is on to something that we see right here littered in our text. Your Monday matters to God. The mundane matters to God. Everything about your life matters to God, and he has it there for a reason. And this is why, the second reason why we long to be a church for Monday, this is why Monday is an opportunity. Is that how we often think about Monday? Much more often, don't we think about Monday as like a burden? Oh, I got to set my alarm for Monday, right? Or an obstacle to what we really want out of life? Not so with God, and not so with what he wants out of your life and what he wants to do through your life. Monday is an opportunity. And specifically, we're going to look at two ways that it's an opportunity. Monday is an opportunity to grow. If we long to, right here in the text, grow up in every way, grow up in every way in our intimacy with Christ and our likeness with Christ, it has to, it has to take shape. We have to be shaped. We have to grow understanding that every part of our day and every day of the week is a part of that growing process. Monday is an opportunity to grow. That means for parents, your children's short fuses are an opportunity to grow in patience. Can I get a witness? Hmm? <laughs> that means, that means that coworker who stabs you in the back is an opportunity to grow your heart of forgiveness. That means that overbearing boss is an opportunity to grow in endurance. That means when you fail your friends and they have to forgive you, that's an opportunity for you to grow in receiving grace. Also a really important part in our growth process. You see, you grow here on Sunday. Surely you do. But if it's just, if this is the only space that you've marked out or have a vision for how God is engaging your world, that's like eating one meal a week and thinking you're going to survive. But that's not also what God has for you. He has a much bigger vision on how he's growing you up. Now, as a pastor, um, I often find myself having conversations with people across the coffee table or across the dinner table. And many times, I think, we have deep intentions to want to grow in our walk with God and to understand what God has for us. And so many times when I'm in those conversations, I'll hear the, the, the statement, I want to grow in my walk with God, but I don't feel like I have an extra hour every day to spend in the Bible. And I want to be very clear. We love the Bible around here. We believe that the Bible reveals God's design for all of life. But what if God has a bigger vision than just wanting an hour of your day? 
What if God actually wants you to now have the insight, the understanding that God is with you throughout your day using all of the different experiences, the opportunities, the challenges as a place where he's meeting you, where he's growing you into greater Christ-likeness, where he's saying, I'm with you, and I want you to know that I'm with you. You see, God doesn't just want an hour of our day. Reading your Bible every day is really important. Don't ever hear me say that's not true. But that can't be the sum total of our hope to grow in Christ-likeness. God wants your whole day, every day, and have a vision for him meeting you in the most mundane, the most broken, and yes, the most celebratory moments of your life. So Monday, it's an opportunity. An opportunity to grow. And also, here's the second thing, Monday is an opportunity to serve, to serve. Jump back with me now in Ephesians chapter 4, verse, beginning in verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Now, this is a good example of how sometimes our English translations of the Greek text throughout the New Testament aren't as helpful as we would hope them to be. For starters, when we read the word saints, we've got enough baggage in our culture that maybe the first image that comes to your mind when you think of saint are the Mother Teresas of the world. But in reality, the Apostle Paul is talking about ordinary screwed up Christians like you and me who have doubts, who are broken, who make mistakes, ordinary, plain Christians, the saints who find their identity in what Jesus has done for them. And then, of course, there's this word ministry. Now, the, the translation that Carolyn used earlier is a little more helpful here because a lot more scholars are highlighting how this word ministry in our 21st century modern English context often for so many insinuates what? Sunday morning or extra church-gathered events. But in reality, this word is speaking to so much more. This word translated ministry here or service really does have the same root word for deacon. If you don't know deacons, deacons were the leaders of the church in the first century who cared for the church throughout the week in all kinds of ways. It has this broader understanding of service in all of life. And what Paul is saying is that church leaders, our responsibility is to equip the whole church, not just a segment of the church, but the whole church for all of service, which encompasses all of life. This is my job. This is our hope. This is what you should long for when we gather together and we open God's word together. And if you read throughout the rest of Ephesians, Paul makes that abundantly clear. Sometimes we forget this. But if you keep reading throughout Ephesians, Paul gives us these examples of application that reach way beyond Sunday. So, for example, he talks, for those who are following Jesus, if you're a husband, your job is to die to yourself for your wife. That's not just one hour a week. <laughs> Better not be, right? If you're a follower of Jesus and you're a wife, you're to trust and submit to your husband when he's dying for you. And even sometimes when he's not, because sometimes that compels him to die for you. If you're a parent, that means you, re 
That means you, you, you do raise up your children in the ways of Jesus, but you do it in such a way that you don't break their spirits. Paul's very clear about that. If you're a child, that means you respect and you honor and you obey your parents. If you're a thief, you stop stealing and you work very diligently in order to be generous to others. And then he has this section about masters and slaves. Masters, we should read employers broadly. Slaves, we should read employees. Masters, those who employ others. When you employ others and you're overseeing your employees, you should do it as if God is watching everything you're doing on Monday. There's an authority that's bigger than you who's going to watch what you're doing on Monday, so beware. Slaves, employees, sometimes it feels that way, right? You actually serve your master, your boss, your employer, as if you're serving Jesus himself. And this is all just the tip of the iceberg, the tip of the iceberg. And I know when I start talking about these things, well, it's like, well, that sounds extraordinarily ordinary. I want God to do something extraordinary in my life, not ordinary in my life. I don't want him to dabble in the things I feel like I already know. I want him to do something amazing in my life. I want him to change my life because isn't that what the life in Christ is all about? And I think Annie Dillard, she's a thoughtful theologian and writer. She brilliantly understands that when it comes to life, she writes, how we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. It's those ordinary and mundane things every day that really come to the sum total of what our life is. And if we're not following Jesus there, where are we following him? Where are we expecting him to show up? Because he's right there in our Monday. There's a church in Bonn, Germany, who I think really got this right, and they did something pretty unique. Um, throughout the 18th and 19th century, um, you would find over various buildings uh, an entrance for the aristocracy, for the upper class, or even if there was a, such a thing as a middle class at certain points in history. And then you would find another entrance that was called the servant's entrance. That's where all those who were serving, preparing, cleaning would enter. You wouldn't enter the same way. It was a place where you reminded yourself when you walked in that door that I'm walking in as a servant. Well, this church in Bonn, Germany, what they did is above the entryway, where you would normally see like an exit sign like that right there, which we have to have by code, so don't ask me to remove it. <clears throat> Above the door, when the church gathering would be dismissed and they would go at the end of the service, what would they see above there? But servants' entrance. A reminder that when they left, they weren't ending worship or they didn't stop now serving as God had called them to the church, but now they're ending the area where they have their primary influence of service. What a beautiful picture. Monday is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to grow, and it's an opportunity to serve, and it matters deeply to God. And this is why, finally, number three, Monday is the mission. It's not a distraction. It's not meant to be a drudgery. It's not something we have to do, but it's where we've call, been called to be. And as church leaders... These apostles, these prophets, these evangelists, these pastors and teachers. It's, th it's our job, those who have been called and gifted to lead now, the local church gathered together. It's my job not to just make Sunday morning really great and impactful, which I always hope it is. But it's to equip you, to equip us as a church 
to now understand and to be ready for Monday, wherever God has us, to be faithful and fruitful where he's placed you. And all that makes up your Monday. And to hear me, we're not just talking about work. Although that's a majority of where we spend our time, we're talking about everything that makes up your Monday. We want to be a church for Monday, a place where this church understands, cares for, and is relevant to the rest of your life because that's where Jesus wants to lead and that's where he's glorified most is throughout your life. So what does this look like? Well, that's what these next seven weeks are for. And really, when we think about what the person who's ready for Monday looks like, as we scoured Scripture, as we wrestled together as a team, we found seven things, seven distinguishing marks that highlights someone who's ready for Monday to follow Jesus in all of life. Now, I want to be very clear what these marks are not. They are not exhaustive, okay? So you're going to be like, well, you didn't have that in there. Uh, no, no, they're not exhaustive. They're not sequential. Once you get one, you move on to two. No, okay? And they're not, like, they're, these aren't, this isn't a list that you, you're done with ever. It's not like, okay, done with one. I'm still working on two, but I'm done with three. No, 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 no. These rather are markers, so these seven marks, these are markers that you're on the right path with Jesus. So what are these seven marks? What are the seven marks of somebody who's ready for Monday, who's following Jesus in all of life? They look like this, and they're up on our, our, our screen here. He or she who's ready for Monday takes up their cross, trusting Jesus in all of life, puts on the yoke, pursuing intimacy with God through spiritual disciplines, builds their life on the Bible, seeing everything as God's story, loves the church, prioritizing the family of God, and then seeks the good of the city in three ways. Giving themselves away, sharing the gospel in word and deed, and working diligently for the flourishing of all. Now, to be clear, none of this is necessarily new. Seven marks for seven days of the week, that cover the whole of our existence as we seek to follow Jesus. None of this is necessarily new, but we're taking it to the next level. Take it to the... Anyway, um, whatever. <laughs> that's, that's nowhere in here. That's, I don't know if that was the work of the Spirit or definitely a weakness of the flesh, but here we go. <clears throat> but I want to be very clear. Golly, every Sunday... Every Sunday, we're going to dive into one of these marks, and we're going to go deeper and really unpack sometimes the, the inappropriate biases or misunderstandings we have and what it means to follow Jesus in all of life and have a better biblical perspective on what it means to engage the life we've been designed to live. If you're going to be in a community group, which start January 20th, okay, this, they're coming up very soon, we have conversations that are going to be unpacking these seven marks, and we've even created a little book which is a robust resource, which we're going to be handing out as you leave. Please, nobody leave without grabbing one. Please, please, please. We're going to be very intentional about smashing one into your hand. So if it falls to the ground, it'll be there trampled. Don't let a book die on the ground, okay? But we also have digital copies for you to download. If you want a digital copy, also grab a physical copy, okay? We want you to have it available whenever you can. And these books, they have more reading available for you if you want to go deeper, there are questions for personal study. And there's also conversation starters for you to have in group discussion. We're going to be using them in our community groups as well. And on top of all of that, throughout these seven weeks, these next seven weeks, 
we're going to get to hear stories of people in our church family across the five campuses who are already leading the way in these seven marks. We've been able to capture their story, not, not like we stalked them or anything, like they, they let us, but, you know, <laughs> capture their story and hear how they're growing in Christ and how we can learn from our brothers and sisters as well. We have just a preview of some of those stories today. So let's watch together and get excited. I can see one aspect of me being in a chair bringing him glory. And I can say that because when people see that I love God regardless of my circumstances, when people see that I still praise him regardless of being in a chair, that gives people encouragement so they can say, no matter where I am, I can still serve God. Then the next week, we went in for an ultrasound again. And they just wanted to check and see. And then at that point um, is when Lisa said, so actually, um, there's not only three, but there's four. At that point, we, at least, I don't know, I was like definitely like sort of shaking and just like, oh my goodness, like four. Like, I mean, I knew three was a lot, but like, what does that do for like my body, for the babies, you know, like, what does that look like? When you're in a room with somebody experiencing, you know, something so shocking as you're pregnant with quadruplets or so devastating as I don't see a heartbeat today. I feel like sometimes the language of kindness is something that is easy to overlook. My main heartbeat and passion and where the guys want me to spend my time is creating relationships and connection points. Last spring I was over here and we had a, a young high school student <clears throat> commit suicide. And when I left the property I just thought, man, this is just, it's just a lot of darkness here. But um, I think we can make a difference. Just have to give kids another vision for what you know, their lives could be as opposed to what it maybe is set up to be today if there's no one that's stepping in to help them. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty excited. I'm excited to dive in and better understand what it means for one, me to better equip us as a church or us as a pastoral staff to better equip us as a church to be ready for Monday, for us as a church to be more present on Monday. And some of you may be sitting here, if you're anything like me, I'm such a task-oriented person sometimes. You're asking, well, Gabe, what can I do next today? Great question. So glad you asked. Um, <laughs> here's one thing that we all can be doing together this week. And it's right there in your, actually, your notebook that you're going to get as you leave today. The question you're going to be answering, the task, the goal for you this week is to get to know your Monday. Get to know your Monday. What are the various roles, responsibilities, relationships that God has entrusted to you throughout the week? And he has you there for a reason. Do you know them? And I know sometimes we feel like we know. I want you to take some intentional time to pause. Not right now, but this week. Maybe it's over the lunch hour on Monday. 
and to think through all of these different aspects, these spheres of influence that God has positioned you in. And I want you to think, okay, out of all of these things, be as robust as you possibly can. Get to know your Monday and where God has you. Because if we do, I mean, I, I just start imagining what could be possible. If we start being as intentional to show up on Monday as we were today to show up at church on Sunday. If we start becoming the kind of church that's fully present on Monday, our world's going to take notice. And it's not going to be the same. I, I begin to imagine, I want you to imagine with me, imagine workspaces where people show up to work because they feel called to their work and they see it as worship to the God they can't see right now. And how they express that worship most robustly is by loving and respecting the coworkers they can. Imagine how that would shape a corporate culture. Imagine if our schools weren't a place for a concern for safety, but a place of service. Rather than a place of exclusion and cliques, a place of kindness and embrace. Where kids can learn from all different cultures and backgrounds and opportunities and grow in the opportunities that are around them economically. Imagine if your home was a sanctuary. Imagine if your relationships were a means for God's grace and internet conversations were a place of truth and grace. If we start, right. So broadly, just continue to expand that, Charlie. Continue to imagine how this could not only change Kansas City, but the world. If they knew, if the world knew, if Kansas City knew, if our neighbors, the people we lived right next to, the people we worked right next to, understood we didn't just go to a different place on Sunday, but we were different kinds of people on Monday. Then we would be the church this world needs. We'd be the church that Jesus is calling us to be. A church by his grace, through his spirit, for Monday. For him. Let's pray. I want to take this moment right here in the silence and in this reflection and after everything we've heard, and I want to give us the opportunity to not only commit our Sundays this year, gathering together to learn together, but also our Mondays. Take this time now in the silence of your heart to commit your Sundays and your Mondays, all of life, to Jesus. And maybe, just maybe, there's someone here who is invited by a friend or is giving church another try and frankly, is just exploring who Jesus is. I want to encourage you to, to also surrender your Sundays and Mondays to him. I know you're learning who he is, but try him out. Try coming and being a part of the church gathered together for these next eight weeks. Get to know what it means to follow him in every bit of life and actually try it out. Would you surrender that to him? Would you commit that to him? If you're genuinely passionate about pursuing Jesus, one who longs the best life for you and is offering eternity to you. Commit that to him now. 
Lord Jesus, we do thank you for the church. Whether we're gathered together in your name or we're scattered across the city to promote your name. God, we pray that we would grow together as a church family, that we would have a more robust understanding of what it means to be your apprentice because there's where we find deeper joy, yes, greater sacrifice, but a more holistic life that has a promise beyond the grave. And so we hold fast to you today by the power of your spirit. May our intention of today, of everybody in this room, can carry forward not, over, not only to tomorrow, but for the weeks ahead as we journey together in this series. God, we love you, and we ask that you'd help us to be a church for Monday. In Jesus' name, amen.